I hope your Lenten journey is, uh, has been a strong one, that you find yourself uh, drawing closer and closer to Jesus, that you're allowing him to do marvelous things in your life to the end that you uh, find yourself more deeply faithful, that you find yourself more fruitful in, uh, in all that is going on around you. This is a grand season, and it is one that we would do well to not let pass without us uh, laying down our very lives, uh, seeking after Christ, and becoming more and more like Him in the power of His Spirit. It's good to be with you today. I'm glad that we uh, have this opportunity to worship. It's important that we do that. The last bag uh, in the, the car before we ever take a trip is the bag of food that we, uh, we take. It is usually uh, filled with all sorts of snacks. Cheryl's always good about seeing to that. You never know when the notion strikes to, to eat something. And so we have that bag there and it works out just great. You certainly would not want to be without. We're much the same way when it comes to, to packing. It may be that you're that way. We're, we seem to always be overpacked. When I think that I am underpacking, I'm still overpacked. I wouldn't want to be caught without. In sending out his disciples in Mark chapter 6, Jesus told his disciples to travel light, take nothing for the journey except a staff, no bread, no bag, no money in your belts. In other words, he was saying to do away with all the, the comforts that maybe you've been used to. He did allow them to wear sandals, but he advised them against taking an extra tunic. He wanted them to travel light. Above all things, uh, Jesus wanted his disciples to trust in God's provision as they went out sharing the good news about Jesus. We do well to do the same, to trust in Jesus as we strike forth to lift up the good news that is indeed Christ. The disciples would, uh, would learn about God's provision, not only as they struck out, as they went out sharing that good news, but, but later on they would learn about that at the feeding of the 5,000. We're going to be uh, focusing in on that great uh, miracle story of, uh, of Christ feeding the, the multitude. We, we find that account in uh, Mark, Mark chapter 6, verses 30 through 44, which happens to take place right after the disciples return from being sent out sharing the good news of, of God's kingdom. So let's hear today from God's Word, Mark 6, verses 30 through 44. Hear this from God's Word. The apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all they had done and taught. Then, because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat, he said to them, Come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. So they went away by themselves in, in a boat to a solitary place, but many who saw them leaving recognized them and ran on foot from all the, the towns and, and got there ahead of them. 
When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began to teach them many things. By this time, it was late in the, in the day, so his disciples came to him. This is a remote place, they said, and it's already very late. Send the people away so that they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered, you give them something to eat. They, they said to him, that would take more wages. Are we and, and spend that much on bread and, and give it to them to eat? How many loaves do you have, he asked. Go and see. When they found out, they said five and two fish. Then Jesus directed them to have all the people sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties, taking the five loaves and the two fish, and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. And then he gave them to his disciples to distribute to the people. He also divided the two fish among them all, and they all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 baskets full of broken pieces of bread and fish. The number of the men who had eaten was 5,000. This is God's word. And may it be a deep and abiding blessing to each of us as we now seek to take our lives and apply them to this word. May, may God bless us all. Amen. Upon their return from going out and spreading the good news of God's kingdom, the disciples gathered around Jesus to give their report of the things that they had done and the things that they had taught. Because there were so many people around them, Jesus gathered his disciples, piled them into a boat, and headed to what they thought was a solitary place as they made their way across the Sea of, of Galilee. Jesus knew his disciples needed some rest. He knew that they needed to be recharged. That rhythm of pulling away to reconnect with God was a regular occurrence for Jesus. And he wanted that for his disciples as well. He certainly wants that for us also. There was just something about Jesus. The crowd just wanted to, to be with him. They, they were hungry for what he had to offer. They hungered for, for what he uh, could provide. Jesus alone has the, the power to satisfy the hunger of our souls. We're counted among the number who, uh, who are attracted to Jesus. We find in him the, 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 the very sustenance to fill the, the emptiness of our souls to strengthen our lives, and to set us for, forth in, in, in what is, is going on or around us. Jesus has the power to satisfy the hunger of our souls. In that regard, the, the, the crowd would, would not be denied. They, they saw Jesus and his disciples making their way across the, the Sea of Galilee. And they began to run toward them. Jesus was just that compelling. They, they couldn't get enough of him. 
I long for the day when people will run to church, run to a small group, run to a trusted friend where things are so compelling they experience Jesus. Well, by the time the boat made it to shore, the people were there um, waiting for them. They were like sheep without a shepherd, the scripture reports. And Jesus, being the good shepherd, took compassion on them. He, he tended to them uh, two ways. He, he, in fact, fed them two ways. He fed them spiritually by the things that he taught, the things that he did. He also fed them physically. He wanted to tend to their every need. What we see here is a very beautiful image. The grass was, was green. It was populated with thousands of, of people. They, they were like, uh, like sheep with, without a shepherd. And Jesus, the good shepherd, was among them. He was leading them. He was taking care of their every need. Jesus, the good shepherd. Everyone uh, had had a long day. Jesus, his disciples, everyone who was a, a part of that beautiful scene there along the, the Sea of Galilee. The disciples at the end of that long day were ready to send the masses on their way. They didn't want to be responsible for, uh, for, for feeding everyone. Besides, they were quick to, to note that it would take more than a half year's wages to feed that many people. Jesus, though, wasn't about to send the people home, and he wasn't about to, to, wasn't about to let the disciples off the hook when it came to feeding all those who had gathered. Even though they didn't want to be responsible for feeding everyone, Jesus wanted them to do just that. He held the disciples responsible. That's the way it is for those who... Um, who claim to be followers of Jesus. We, we bear responsibility to do what we can to meet the needs of those who are around us. There is, uh, is something in us, though. If given the chance, we will we'll be prone to wash our hands of, of that responsibility of taking care of the, the needs of those around us. We're, we're quite content to leave that to somebody else. Am I my brother's keeper? Has been as for centuries. We are our brother's keeper and our sisters as well. Looking after others is never convenient. It's oftentimes tough to schedule. There's always something that comes up to, at the most inopportune time. Even so, there is no excuse for not being there for, for other people, even at the end of a long, hard day. The difference between Jesus and his disciples, I think, is stark at this point. The disciples were, uh, were mired in a, in a mindset of scarcity. They just couldn't see how it would be possible to feed that many people. They were charged with feeding 5,000 men, not counting the women and children. And believe me, that's a lot of people to feed. 
the disciples didn't want to have anything to do with feeding such a sizable crowd. In their minds, the, the resources to, to do that simply were not available. Jesus thought otherwise. Jesus knew otherwise. How many loaves do you have, he asked. And the report was five and two fish. That wasn't very much, but as we have said often, a little is a lot in the hands of Jesus. And if it's not a lot, then it is certainly enough. Jesus is always about taking care of our needs. To where enough, to where enough is just enough to meet the very needs that are a part of our lives. Jesus uh, has it that the five loaves and, and, and or John rather, has it that the, that the five loaves and, and two fish uh, came from a, a lunch pail of a, of a little boy who was gathered in that, in that crowd. Now that was an ample meal for him, but not so much for the 5,000 that had men that had gathered, not counting the women and children. As the story goes, Jesus took the, the five loaves and the two fish and multiplied them. Everybody ate to the full that day. So much so that there were 12 baskets full left over, one for each of the worrisome disciples. When it came to the feeding of the 5,000, all the disciples saw were challenges. What Jesus saw were possibilities. I battle a mindset of scarcity all the time. I am way too practical, much too calculating, I'm all too quick to consider what can't be instead of what can be. It's just something that I, I have to battle. When it comes down to it, my faith is not always where it needs to be, particularly given the fact that God always seeks to provide for my life. It always comes down to faith, doesn't it? It always comes down to what we believe about God? Will we exercise faith and trust in God's provision for our lives, or will we not? Will we find ourselves equivocating? Last uh, Saturday, or a week ago Saturday, while uh, painting at the Habitat for Humanity house, the three of us uh, painting had a, an inch left in the bottom of the can. We figured that we would run out long before the new bucket of paint was supposed to, to get to the house. As it worked out, we had just enough with some despair. It's a big deal. We were taught in, in that experience. Leading up to last uh, Sunday's potluck dinner, we wondered if we would have enough food. If uh, you were there, we know, you know that we had more than enough with plenty to spare. We're prone to worry about the silliest things. We also worry about things that are, that are much more serious. It's just in us to worry. I've heard it said that worry is a small trickle of fear that meanders through the mind until it cuts a channel 
into which all other thoughts are drained. Interesting. Worry has a way of taking over. Worry has a way of, of consuming us at, at every part of our thought processes. Worry has a way of affecting everything that we do. We're good about wringing our hands, wondering if we'll be able to, to meet the challenges ahead. It's then that Christ challenges us about our lack of faith, and it is he who provides abundantly. Whatever you are worried about, Jesus is sufficient. When will we ever learn? I'm sure Jesus thought the very same thing about his disciples. You know, it was after the feeding of the 5,000, it was after the feeding of the 4,000, that Jesus and his disciples were again on the Sea of Galilee. You can find that account in just a couple of chapters past what we've read today in Mark 8, verses 14 through 21. It's there that we find the disciples had seemingly forgotten what had taken place at the, at the feeding of the 5,000, at the feeding of the 4,000. There they were on that boat again. They had forgotten to buy bread and there on the boat, they had only one loaf, and they started to worry about their next meal. That would not have happened for the Greaves, as I reminded you at the very outset. We always have our goodie bag in the back of the car. So it was Jesus who asked, why are you still talking about having no bread? Do you still not perceive or understand are your hearts hardened? Do you, do you have your eyes and, and fail to see? Do you have your ears and, and fail to hear? And do you not remember when I broke the five loaves for the 5,000, how many baskets full of broken pieces did you collect? And the seven for the, the 4,000, how many baskets full of broken pieces did you collect? All of this was another way of saying to those disciples yet again out on the Sea of Galilee with just one loaf of bread among them. Jesus saying this, I provided then at the feeding of the 5,000 and the feeding of the 4,000. Why would you doubt me now? The disciples were slow to learn. They just couldn't scale their worrisome ways. More importantly, they just couldn't lay aside their worries and put their faith in Jesus. Jesus was baffled by their lack of understanding. He was baffled that they hadn't gotten it, particularly given all that they had experienced about Jesus' provision. We, just like the disciples, in the back of that boat, worry about what's next as well. Even after God has proven himself over and over and over again in our lives, Jesus wants us to open our eyes. His provision is all around us. He wants us to open our ears and listen for the things that he is trying to speak in, into our lives. 
those words are, are also uh, his provision for each of us. We'll, we'll never really do that if we're worried all the time. We'll never have our eyes fully open. Our ears will, will never be really ready to, to hear if we're always worried, if we're always borrowing trouble. I like what Charles Schultz has to say about such things. Don't worry about what the world's coming to. Don't worry about whether the world is, is coming to an end tomorrow. It's, uh, it's already tomorrow in Australia. I think there's some truth to that. Jesus is Lord not only of today, but he is Lord of tomorrow. Why then should we worry? He has us in the very palm of his hand. He seeks to provide each and every day. He longs to shower upon us his love as if to instruct us in the fact of his provision day in and day out. Yes, we can trust in his daily bread, certainly from a, a physical and a temporal point of view, but also from a deeply spiritual point of view. He will always provide Jesus is sufficient. So then let's lay down our worry. And as we do, let's find ourselves drawing closer to Jesus, which after all is his desire all along, particularly in this grand season of Lent. Let's pray together. Thank you, God, for uh, sending your son. Thank you, Lord, for providing so much through him. Thank you, Lord, for blessing us in the many ways that you do. Lord, we pray that uh, you work in us to build our faith, to put us at the, at the very place where we are uh, able to trust in you. We, we need help with that. Lord, we pray that you strengthen us to the point where we lay aside our worries and give ourselves to you and seek to follow you at every turn. Lord, thank you for instructing us through your word. Thank you, Lord, for blessing us uh, through Christ. Thank you for empowering us in your spirit. Lord, we, uh, we seek to build our lives upon you. And in that, may we find ourselves strengthened for every day. This prayer we make in the name of Christ, trusting in the power of that name for today's world. Amen.